What you are about to listen to was created with an artificial voice for the audiobook initiative. On Sermon Audio, there may be mispronunciations or occasional repetitions. To report a mistake, please email us at info at sermonaudio.com and include the sermon ID or title of the message and the time at which the error occurs. We will do our best to get it corrected for future listeners. Grace abounding to the chief of sinners, or a brief relation of the exceeding mercy of God in Christ to his poor servant, John Bunyan. Bunyan attends the ministry of Mr. Gifford and becomes intensely earnest to understand the doctrines of the gospel. Part 1. At this time also, I sat under the ministry of Holy Meister Gifford, whose doctrine, by God's grace, was much for my stability. This man made it much his business to deliver the people of God from all those false and unsound rests that by nature we are prone to take and make to our souls. He pressed us to take special heed that we took not up any truth upon trust, as from this or that or any other man or men, but to cry mightily to God that he would convince us of the reality thereof and set us down therein by his own spirit in the holy word. For, said he, if you do otherwise when temptations come, if strongly you, not having received them with evidence from heaven, will find you want that help and strength now to resist as once you thought you had. This was as seasonable to my soul as the former and latter rain in their season. For I had found, and that by sad experience, the truth of these his words. For I had felt what no man can say, especially when tempted by the devil, that Jesus Christ is Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Wherefore I found my soul through grace very apt to drink in this doctrine and to incline to pray to God that in nothing that pertained to God's glory in my own eternal happiness, he would suffer me to be without the confirmation thereof from heaven. For now I saw clearly there was an exceeding different betwixt the notions of flesh and blood and the revelations of God in heaven also a great difference between that faith that is feigned and according to man's wisdom and of that which comes by a man's being born thereto of God. But, oh, now how was my soul led from truth to truth by God, even from the birth and cradle of the Son of God to his ascension and second coming from heaven to judge the world? Truly I then found... Upon this account the great God was very good unto me, for, to my remembrance, there was not anything that I then cried unto God to make known and reveal unto me, but he was pleased to do it for me. I mean not one part of the gospel of the Lord Jesus, but I was orderly led into it. Methought I saw with great evidence from the relation of the four evangelists, the wonderful work of God in giving Jesus Christ to save us from his conception and birth even to his second coming to judgment. Methought I was as if I had seen him born, as if I had seen him grow up, as if I had seen him walk through this world from the cradle to his cross, 
to which also when he came I saw how gently he gave himself to be hanged and nailed on it for my sins and wicked doings. Also as I was musing on this, his progress that dropped on my spirit, he was ordained for the slaughter. When I have considered also the truth of his resurrection, and have remembered that word, touch me not, Mary, etc., I have seen as if he leaped at the grave's mouth for joy that he was risen again and had got the conquest over our dreadful foes. I have also, in the Spirit, seen him a man on the right hand of God the Father for me and have seen the manner of his coming from heaven to judge the world with glory and have been confirmed in these things by these scriptures following Acts 1, 9, 10, 7, 56, 10, 42, Hebrews 7, 24, 8, 3, Revelation 1, 18, 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, 18. Once I was much troubled to know whether the Lord Jesus was both man as well as God, and God as well as man. And truly in those days let men say what they would, unless I had it with evidence from heaven, all was as nothing to me. I counted not myself set down in any truth of God. Well, I was much troubled about this point and could not tell how to be resolved. At last that in the fifth of the revelation came into my mind, and I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. In the midst of the throne, thought I, there is his Godhead. In the midst of the elders, there is his manhood. But oh, methought this did glister. It was a goodly touch and gave me sweet satisfaction. That other scripture also did help me much in this. To us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, etc. Also, besides these teachings of God in his word, the Lord made use of two things to confirm me in these things. The one was the errors of the Quakers, and the other was the guilt of sin. For as the Quakers did oppose his truth, so God did the more confirm me in it, by leading me into the scriptures that did wonderfully maintain it. The errors that this people then maintained were, 1. That the Holy Scriptures were not the Word of God. 2. That every man in the world had the Spirit of Christ, grace, faith, etc. 3. That Christ Jesus as crucified and dying 1600 years ago did not satisfy divine justice for the sins of the people. 4. That Christ's flesh and blood was within the saints. 5. That the bodies of the good and bad that are buried in the churchyard shall not arise again. 6. That the resurrection is past with good men already. 7. That, that man Jesus, that was crucified between two thieves on Mount Calvary in the land of Canaan, by Jerusalem, was not ascended up above the starry heavens. 8. That he should not, even the same Jesus that died by the hands of the Jews, come again at the last day, and as man judge all nations, etc. 
Many more vile and abominable things were in those days fomented by them, by which I was driven to a more narrow search of the Scriptures, and was, through their light and testimony, not only enlightened, but greatly confirmed and comforted in the truth. And, as I said, the guilt of sin did help me much, for still as that would come upon me, the blood of Christ did take it off again, and again, and again, and that too, sweetly, according to the Scriptures. O friends, cry to God to reveal Jesus Christ unto you. There is none teacheth like him. It would be too long for me here to stay, to tell you in particular how God did set me down in all the things of Christ, and how he did that he might so do. Lead me into his words. Yea, and also how he did open them unto me, make them shine before me, and cause them to dwell with me, talk with me, and comfort me over and over, both of his own being, and the being of his Son, and Spirit, and Word, and Gospel. Only this, as I said before, I will say unto you again, that in general he was pleased to take this course with me, first to suffer me to be afflicted with temptation concerning them, and then reveal them to me. As sometimes I should lie under great guilt for sin, even crushed to the ground therewith, and then the Lord would show me the death of Christ. Yea, and so sprinkle my conscience with his blood that I should find, and that before I was aware that in that conscience where but just now did reign and rage the law, even there would rest and abide the peace and love of God through Christ. Now had I an evidence, as I thought of my salvation from heaven, with many golden seals thereon, all hanging in my sight, now could I remember this manifestation and the other discovery of grace with comfort, and should often long and desire that the last day were come, that I might forever be inflamed with the sight and joy and communion with him whose head was crowned with thorns, whose face was spit on and body broken, and soul made an offering for my sins. For whereas before I lay continually trembling at the mouth of hell, now methought I was got so far therefrom that I could not, when I looked back, scarce discern it. And, oh, thought I, that I were fourscore years old now, that I might die quickly, that my soul might be gone to rest. But before I had got thus far out of these my temptations, I did greatly long to see some ancient godly man's experience, who had writ some hundreds of years before I was born. For those who had written our days, I thought, but I desire them now to pardon me, that they had writ only that which others felt or else had, through the strength of their wits and parts, studied to answer such objections as they perceived others were perplexed with, without going down themselves into the deep. Well, after many such longings in my mind, the God in whose hands are all our days and ways did cast into my hand one day a book of Martin Luther. It was his comment on the Galatians. It also was so old that it was ready to fall piece from piece if I did but turn it over. Now I was pleased much that such an old book had fallen into my hands, the which, when I had but a little way perused, I found my condition, in his experience so largely and profoundly handled, as if his book had been written out of my heart. This made me marvel, 
For thus thought I, this man could not know anything of the state of Christians now, but must needs write and speak the experience of former days. Besides, he doth most bravely, also in that book, debate of the rise of these temptations, namely blasphemy, desperation, and the like, showing that the law of Moses as well as the devil, death, and hell hath a very great hand therein, the which at first was very strange to me. But considering and watching, I found it so indeed. But of particulars here I intend nothing. Only this, methinks, I must let fall before all men. I do prefer this book of Martin Luther upon the Galatians, excepting the Holy Bible, before all the books that ever I have seen, as most fit for a wounded conscience. And now I found, as I thought, that I love Christ dearly. All methought my soul cleaved unto him, my affections cleaved unto him. I felt love to him as hot as fire. And now, as Job said, I thought I should die in my ness, but I did quickly find that my great love was but little, and that I, who had, as I thought, such burning love to Jesus Christ, could let him go again for a very trifle. God can tell how to abase us, and can hide pride from man. Quickly after this my love was tried to purpose. For after the Lord had, in this manner, thus graciously delivered me from this great and sore temptation, and had set me down so sweetly in the faith of his holy gospel, and had given me such strong consolation and blessed evidence from heaven, touching my interest in his love through Christ, the tempter came upon me again, and that with a more grievous and dreadful temptation than before, and that was to sell and part with this most blessed Christ, to exchange him for the things of this life. For anything, the temptation lay upon me for the space of a year, and did follow me so continually that I was not rid of it one day in a month, no, not sometimes one hour in many days together, unless when I was asleep. And though, in my judgment, I was persuaded that those who were once effectually in Christ, as I hoped, through his grace I had seen myself, could never lose him forever. For the land shall not be sold forever. For the land is mine, saith God. Yet it was a continual vexation to me to think that I should have so much as one such thought within me against a Christ, a Jesus that had done for me as he had done, and yet then I had almost none others but such blasphemous ones. But it was neither my dislike of the thought, nor yet any desire and endeavor to resist it, that in the least did shake or abate the continuation, or force and strength thereof. For it did always, in almost whatever I thought, intermix itself therewith in such sort that I could neither eat my food, stoop for a pin, chop a stick, or cast mine eye to look on this or that. But still the temptation would come, sell Christ for this, or sell Christ for that. Sell him, sell him. Sometimes it would run in my thoughts, not so little as a hundred times together, sell him, sell him, sell him. 
against which I may say for whole hours together I have been forced to stand as continually leaning and forcing my spirit against it, least haply before I were aware. Some wicked thought might arise in my heart that might consent thereto, and sometimes also the tempter would make me believe I had consented to it. Then should I be as tortured upon a rack for whole days together? This temptation did put me to such scares, lest I should, and sometimes I say, consent thereto, and be overcome therewith, that by the very force of my mind, in laboring to gainsay and resist this wickedness, my very body also would be put into action or motion by way of pushing or thrusting with my hands or elbows, still answering as fast as the destroyer said, Sell him. I will not. I will not. I will not. I will not. No, not for thousands, thousands, thousands of worlds. Thus reckoning lest I should in the midst of these assaults set too low a value of him, even until I scarce well knew where I was or how to be composed began. At these seasons he would not let me eat my food at quiet. But, forsooth, when I was set at table at my meat, I must go hence to pray. I must leave my food now and just now, so counterfeit holy also would this devil be. When I was thus tempted, I should say in myself, Now I am at my meat, let me make an end. No, said he, you must do it now, or you will displease God and despised Christ. Wherefore I was much afflicted with these things. And because of the sinfulness of my nature, imagining that these things were impulses from God, I should deny to do it, as if I denied God. And then should I be as guilty because I did not obey a temptation of the devil, as if I had broken the law of God indeed. But to be brief, one morning as I did lie in my bed, I was as at other times most fiercely assaulted with this temptation, to sell in part with Christ. The wicked suggestion still running in my mind, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, sell him, as fast as a man could speak, against which also, in my mind, as at other times, I answered, no, no, not for thousands, 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 at least twenty times together. But at last, after much striving, even until I was almost out of breath, I felt this thought pass through my heart. Let him go, if he will. And I thought also that I felt my heart freely consent thereto. Oh, the diligence of Satan! Oh, the desperateness of man's heart! Now was the battle won, and down fell I, as a bird that is shot from the top of a tree into great guilt and fearful despair. Thus getting out of my bed, I went moping into the field. But God knows, with as heavy a heart as mortal man, I think, could bear, where for the space of two hours I was like a man bereft of life, and is now past all recovery and bound over to eternal punishment. And with all that scripture did seize upon my soul, or profane person, as Esau, who for one morsel of meat sold his birthright, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, so he sought it carefully with tears. Now was I as one bound, I felt myself shut out unto the judgment to come. 
Nothing now for two years together would abide with me but damnation and in expectation of damnation. I say nothing now would abide with me but this, save some few moments for relief, as in the sequel you will see. These words were to my soul like fetters of brass to my legs, in the continual sound of which I went for several months together. But about ten or eleven o'clock one day, as I was walking under a hedge full of sorrow and guilt, God knows, and bemoaning myself for this hard hap that such a thought should arise within me, suddenly this sentence bolted in upon me, the blood of Christ remits all guilt. At this I made a stand in my spirit. With that this word took hold upon me, Begin the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Now I began to conceive peace in my soul. In me thought I saw as if the tempter did leer and steal away from me, as being ashamed of what he had done. At the same time also I had my sin, and the blood of Christ thus represented to me that my sin, when compared to the blood of Christ, was no more to it than this little clot or stone before me, is to this vast and wide field that here I see. This gave me good encouragement for the space of two or three hours, in which time also methought I saw by faith the Son of God, as suffering for my sins. But because it tarried not, I therefore sunk in my spirit under exceeding guilt again, but chiefly by the aforementioned scripture concerning Esau's selling of his birthright, for that scripture would lie all day long, all the week long, yea, all the year long in my mind, and hold me down so that I could by no means lift up myself for when I would strive to turn me to this scripture, or that for relief, still that sentence would be sounding in me, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Sometimes also I should have a touch from that in Luke 22. 32. I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not but it would not abide upon me. Neither could I indeed, when I considered my state, find ground to conceive in the least that there should be the root of that grace within me, having sinned as I had done. Now was I tore and rent in heavy case for many days together. Then began I with sad and careful heart to consider of the nature and largeness of my sin and to search in the word of God if I could in any place espy a word of promise or any encouraging sentence by which I might take relief. Wherefore I began to consider that third of Mark, all manner of sins and blasphemies shall be forgiven unto the sons of men, wherewithsoever they shall blaspheme, which place methought at a blush did contain a large and glorious promise for the pardon of high offenses, but, considering the place more fully, I thought it was rather to be understood as relating more chiefly to those who had, while in a natural estate, committed such things as there are mentioned, but not to me, who had not only received light and mercy, but that had both after and also contrary to that, so slighted Christ as I had done, feared therefore that this wicked sin of mine might be that sin unpardonable, 
of which he there thus speaketh. But he they shall blaspheme against the Holy Ghost, hath never forgiveness, but is in danger of eternal damnation. And I did the rather give credit to this because of that sentence in the Hebrews common, for ye know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. And this stuck always with me, and now was I both a burden and a terror to myself, nor did I ever so know, as now, what it was to be weary of my life, and yet afraid to die. Oh, how gladly now would I have been anybody but myself, anything but a man, and in any condition but mine own, for there was nothing did pass more frequently over my mind than that it was impossible for me to be forgiven my transgression and to be saved from wrath to come. And now began I to labor to call again time that was past, wishing a thousand times twice told that the day was yet to come when I should be tempted to such a sin concluding with great indignation both against my heart and all assaults how I would rather have been torn in pieces than found a consenter thereto. But alas, these thoughts and wishings and resolvings were now too late to help me. The thought had passed my heart. God hath let me go, and I am fallen. Oh! thought I, that it was with me, as in months past, as in the days when God preserved me. Then again, being loath and unwilling to perish, I began to compare my sin with others, to see if I could find that any of those that were saved had done as I had done. So I considered David's adultery and murder, and found them most heinous crimes. And those two committed after light and grace received, but yet, but considering, I perceive that his transgressions were only such as were against the law of Moses, from which the Lord Christ could, with the consent of his word, deliver him. But mine was against the gospel, yea, against the mediator thereof. I had sold my Savior. Now again should I be as if racked upon the wheel when I considered that, besides the guilt that possessed me, I should be so void of grace, so bewitched. What, thought I, must it be no sin but this? Must it needs be the great transgression? Must that wicked one touch my soul? Oh, what stings did I find in all these sentences? What, thought I, is there but one sin that is unpardonable? But one sin that layeth the soul without the reach of God's mercy? And must I be guilty of that? Must it needs be that? Is there but one sin among so many millions of sins for which there is no forgiveness? And must I commit this? Oh, unhappy sin! Oh, unhappy man! These things would so break and confound my spirit that I could not tell what to do. I thought at times they would have broke my wits. And still, to aggravate my misery, that would run in my mind. Ye know how that afterward... When he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. Oh, none knows the terrors of those days but myself. After this I came to consider of Peter's sin, which he committed in denying his master. And indeed this came nighest to mine, of any that I could find. 
for he had denied his Savior, as I, and that after light and mercy received, yea, and that too, after warning given him. I also considered that he did both once and twice, and that, after time to consider betwixt. But though I put all these circumstances together, that if possible, I might find help, yet I considered again that his was but a denial of his master, but mine was a selling of my Savior. Wherefore I thought with myself that I came nearer to Judas than either to David or Peter. Here again my torment would flame out and afflict me. Yea, it would grind me, as it were, to powder, to discern the preservation of God towards others, while I fell into the snare. For in my thus considering of other men's sins and comparing of them with my own, I could evidently see how God preserved them notwithstanding their wickedness and would not let them, as he had let me, to become a son of perdition. But oh, how did my soul at this time prize the preservation that God did set about his people? Ah, how safely did I see them walk, whom God had hedged in. They were within his care, protection, and special providence. Though they were full as bad as I by nature, yet because he loved them, he would not suffer them to fall without the range of mercy. But as for me, I was gone. I had done it. He would not preserve me nor keep me, but suffered me because I was a reprobate to fall as I had done. Now did those blessed places that spake of God's keeping his people shine like the sun before me, though not to comfort me, but to show me the blessed state and heritage of those whom the Lord had blessed. Now I saw that as God had his hand in all providences and dispensations that overtook his elect, so he had his hand in all the temptations that they had to sin against him, not to animate them unto wickedness, but to choose their temptations and troubles for them, and also to leave them for a time to such sins only as might not destroy, but humble them, as might not put them beyond, but lay them in the way off the renewing of his mercy. But, oh, what love, what care, what kindness and mercy did I now see, mixing itself with the most severe and dreadful of all God's ways to his people. He would let David, Hezekiah, Solomon, Peter, and others fall, but he would not let them fall into sin unpardonable, nor into hell for sin. Oh, thought I, these be the men that God hath loved. These be the men that God, though he chastiseth them, keeps them in safety by him, and them whom he makes to abide under the shadow of the Almighty. But all these thoughts added sorrow, grief, and horror to me, as whatever I now thought on, it was killing to me. If I thought how God kept his own, that was killing to me. If I thought of how I was falling myself, that was killing to me as all things wrought together for the best, and to do good to them that were the called, according to his purpose. So I thought that all things wrought for my damage and for my eternal overthrow. Then again I began to compare my sin with the sin of Judas, that, if possible, I might find that mine differed from that which in truth is unpardonable. And 
Oh, thought I, if it should differ from it, though but the breadth of an hair, what a happy condition is my soul in. And by considering, I found that Judas did his intentionally, but mine was against my prayer and strivings. Besides, his was committed with much deliberation, but mine in a fearful hurry on a sudden. All this while I was tossed to and fro like the locusts and driven from trouble to sorrow, hearing always the sound of Esau's fall in mine ears and of the dreadful consequences thereof. Yet this consideration about Judas his sin was for a while some little relief unto me, for I saw I had not, as to the circumstances, transgressed so foully as he. But this was quickly gone again, for I thought with myself there might be more ways than one to commit the unpardonable sin. Also I thought that there might be degrees of that, as well as of other transgressions. Wherefore, for aught I yet could perceive, this iniquity of mine might be such as might never be passed by. I was often now ashamed that I should be like such an ugly man as Judas. I thought also how loathsome I should be unto all the saints at the day of judgment, insomuch that now I could scarce see a good man that I believed had a good conscience, but I should feel my heart tremble at him while I was in his presence. Oh, now I saw glory in walking with God, and what a mercy it was to have a good conscience before him. I was much about this time tempted to content myself by receiving some false opinion, as that there should be no such thing as a day of judgment that we should not rise again, and that sin was no such grievous thing. The tempter suggesting thus, for if these things should indeed be true, yet to believe otherwise would yield you ease for the present. If you must perish, never torment yourself so much beforehand. Drive the thoughts of damning out of your mind by possessing your mind with some such conclusions that atheists and ranters do use to help themselves withal. But, oh, when such thoughts have led through my heart, how, as it were within a step, hath death and judgment been in my view? Methought the judge stood at the door. I was as if it was come already, so that such things could have no entertainment. But methinks I see by this that Satan will use any means to keep the soul from Christ. He loveth not an awakened frame of spirit. Security, blindness, darkness, and error is the very kingdom and habitation of the wicked one. I found it hard work now to pray to God, because despair was swallowing me up. I thought I was as with a tempest, driven away from God, for always when I cried to God for mercy, this would come in, it is too late, I am lost, God hath let me fall. Not to my correction, but condemnation. My sin is unpardonable. And I know concerning Esau how that, after he had sold his birthright, he would have received the blessing, but was rejected. About this time I did light on that dreadful story of that miserable mortal Francis Spira, a book that was to my troubled spirit as salt when rubbed into a fresh wound. 
Every sentence in that book, every groan of that man, with all the rest of his actions in his dollars as his tears, his prayers, his gnashing of teeth, his wringing of hands, his twining and twisting, languishing and pining away under that mighty hand of God that was upon him, was as knives and daggers in my soul. Especially that sentence of his was frightful to me. Man knows the beginning of sin, but who bounds the issues thereof? Then would the former sentence, as the conclusion of all, fall like a hot thunderbolt again upon my conscience. For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Then was I struck into a very great trembling, insomuch that at sometimes I could, for whole days together, feel my very body, as well as my mind, to shake and totter under the sense of the dreadful judgment of God that should fall on those that have sinned that most fearful and unpardonable sin. I felt also such a clogging in heat at my stomach, by reason of this my terror, that I was, especially at some times, as if my breastbone would have split in sunder, Men I thought of that concerning Judas, who by his falling headlong burst asunder, and all his bowels gushed out, feared also that this was the mark that the Lord did set on Cain, even continual fear and trembling under the heavy load of guilt that he had charged on him for the blood of his brother Abel. Thus did I wind and twine and shrink under the burden that was upon me, which burden also did so oppress me that I could neither stand nor go nor lie, either at rest or quiet. Yet that saying would sometimes come to my mind, he hath received gifts for the rebellious. The rebellious, thought I. Why, surely they are such as once were under subjection to their prince, even those who, after they have sworn subjection to his government, have taken up arms against him. And this, thought I, is my very condition. Once I loved him, feared him, served him, but now I am a rebel. I have sold him, I have said, let him go if he will, but yet he has gifts for rebels, and then why not for me? This sometimes I thought on, and should labor to take hold thereof, that some, though small, refreshment might have been conceived by me, but in this also I missed of my desire. I was driven with force beyond it. I was like a man that is going to the place of execution, even by that place where he would fain creep in and hide himself, but may not. Again, after I had thus considered the sins of the saints in particular, and found mine went beyond them, then I began to think thus with myself. Set the case I should put all theirs together and mine alone against them. Might I not then find some encouragement? For if mine, though bigger than any one, yet should but be equal to all, then there is hopes. For that blood that hath virtue enough in it to wash away all theirs, hath also virtue enough in it to do away mine, though this one be full as big, if no bigger, than all theirs. Here again I should consider the sin of David, of Solomon, of Manasseh, of Peter, and the rest of the great offenders, and should also labor what I might with fairness to aggravate and heighten their sins by several circumstances. But alas, 
It was all in vain. I should think with myself that David shed blood to cover his adultery, and that by the sword of the children of Ammon, a work that could not be done but by continuance and deliberate contrivance, which was a great aggravation to his sin. But then this would turn upon me. Ah, but these were but sins against the law, from which there was a Jesus sent to save them. But yours is a sin against the Savior, and who shall save you from that? When I thought on Solomon, and how he sinned in loving strange women, in falling away to their idols, in building them temples, in doing this after light, in his old age, after great mercy received. But the same conclusion that cut me off in the former consideration cut me off as to this, namely that all those were but sins against the law, for which God had provided a remedy. But I had sold my Savior, and there now remained no more sacrifice for sin. I would then add to those men's sins. The sins of Manasseh, how that he built altars for idols in the house of the Lord. He also observed times, used enchantment, had to do with wizards, was a wizard, had his familiar spirits, burned his children in the fire and sacrificed to devils, and made the streets of Jerusalem run down with the blood of innocence. These, thought I, are great sins, sins of a bloody color. Yea, it would turn again upon me. They are none of them of the nature of yours. You have parted with Jesus, you have sold your Savior. This one consideration would always kill my heart. My sin was point-blank against my Savior. And that, too, at that height that I had in my heart said of him, Let him go, if he will. Oh! Methought this sin was bigger than the sins of a country, of a kingdom, or of the whole world. No one pardonable, nor all of them together, was able to equal mine. Mine outwent them everyone. Now I should find my mind to flee from God, as from the face of a dreadful judge. Yet this was my torment. I could not escape his hand. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But blessed be his grace, that scripture, in these flying sins, would call is running after me. I have blotted out as a thick cloud thy transgressions, and as a cloud thy sins. Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. This, I say, would come in upon my mind when I was fleeing from the face of God. For I did flee from his face, that is, my mind and spirit fled before him. By reason of his highness I could not endure. Then would the text cry, Return unto me? It would cry aloud with a very great voice, Return unto me, for I have redeemed thee. Indeed, this would make me make a little stop, and, as it were, look over my shoulder behind me to see if I could discern that the God of grace did follow me with a pardon in his hand, but I could no sooner do that, but all would be clouded and darkened again by that sentence. For you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Wherefore I could not return, but fled, though it sometimes it cried, Return, return, as if it did holloa after me. But I feared to close in therewith, lest it should not come from God. For that other... 
as I said, was still sounding in my conscience, for you know how that afterwards, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, etc. Once as I was walking to and fro in a good man's shop, bemoaning of myself in my sad and doleful state, afflicting myself with self-abhorrence for this wicked and ungodly thought, Lamenting also this hard hap of mine, for that I should commit so great a sin, greatly fearing I should not be pardoned. Praying also in my heart that, if this sin of mine did differ from that against the Holy Ghost, the Lord would show it me. And being now ready to sink with fear, suddenly there was, as if there had rushed in at the window, the noise of wind upon me, but very pleasant, and as if I heard a voice speaking, didst ever refuse to be justified by the blood of Christ. And with all my whole life and profession past was, in a moment, open to me wherein I was made to see that designedly I had not. So my heart answered groaningly, No. Then fell with power that word of God upon me, See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. This made a strange seizure upon my spirit. It brought light with it, and commanded a silence in my heart of all those tumultuous thoughts that before did use, like masterless hellhounds, to roar and bellow and make a hideous noise within me. It showed me, also, that Jesus Christ had yet a word of grace and mercy for me, that he had not, as I had feared, quite forsaken and cast off my soul. Yeah, this was a kind of a chide for my proneness to desperation, a kind of a threatening me if I did not, notwithstanding my sins and the heinousness of them, venture my salvation upon the Son of God. But as to my determining about this strange dispensation, what it was I knew not, or from whence it came I know not, I have not yet, in twenty years' time, been able to make a judgment of it. I thought then what here I shall be loved to speak, but verily that sudden rushing wind was as if an angel had come upon me, but both it and the salvation I will leave until the day of judgment. Only this I say it commanded a great calm in my soul, it persuaded me there might be hope. It showed me as I thought what the sin unpardonable was, and that my soul had yet the blessed privilege to flee to Jesus Christ for mercy. But I say, concerning this dispensation, I know not what yet to say unto it, which was also in truth the cause that at first I did not speak of it in the book. I do now also leave it to be fought on by men of sound judgment, I lay not the stress of my salvation thereupon, but upon the Lord Jesus in the promise. Yet, seeing I am here unfolding of my secret things, I thought it might not be altogether inexpedient to let this also show itself, though I cannot now relate the matter as there I did experience it. This lasted in the savor of it for about three or four days, and the eye began to mistrust and to despair again. Wherefore, still my life hung in doubt before me, not knowing which way I should tip. Only this I found my sole desire, even to cast itself at the foot of grace, by prayer and supplication. But, oh, it was hard for me now to bear the face, 
to pray to this Christ for mercy, against whom I had thus most vilely sinned. It was hard work, I say, to offer to look him in the face against whom I had so vilely sinned. And indeed I have found it as difficult to come to God by prayer, after backsliding from him, as to do any other thing. Oh, the shame that did now attend me, especially when I thought I am now going to pray to him for mercy that I had so lightly esteemed but a while before. I was ashamed, yea, even confounded, because this villainy had been committed by me. But I saw there was but one way with me. I must go to him and humble myself unto him, and beg that he of his wonderful mercy would show pity to me, and have mercy upon my wretched sinful soul. Which, when the tempter perceived, he strongly suggested to me that I ought not to pray to God. For prayer was not for any in my case, neither could it do me good because I had rejected the Mediator, by whom all prayer came with acceptance to God the Father, and without whom no prayer could come into his presence. Wherefore now to pray is but to add sin to sin. Yea, now to pray, seeing God has cast you off, is the next way to anger and offend him more than you ever did before. For God, saith he, hath been weary of you for these several years already, because you are none of his. Your bawlings in his ears have been no pleasant voice to him. And therefore he let you sin this sin, that you might be quite cut off. And will you pray still? This the devil urged and set forth that in numbers when Moses said to the children of Israel that because they would not go up to pauses the land when God would have them, therefore forever after God did bar them out from thence, though they prayed they might with tears, etc. As it is said in another place, the man that sins presumptuously shall be taken from God's altar, that he may die even as Joab was by King Solomon when he thought to find shelter there, etc. These places did pinch me very sore, yet my case being desperate, I thought with myself I can but die. And if it must be so, it shall once be said that such an one died at the foot of Christ in prayer. This I did, but with great difficulty God doth know and that because, together with this, still that saying about Esau would be set at my heart, even like a flaming sword, to keep the way of the tree of life, lest I should taste thereof and live. Oh, who knows how hard a thing I found it to come to God in prayer. I did also desire the prayers of the people of God for me, but I feared that God would give them no heart to do it. Yea, I trembled in my soul to think that some or other of them would shortly tell me that God had said those words to them that he once did say to the prophet concerning the children of Israel, Pray not thou for this people, for I have rejected them. So pray not for him, for I have rejected him. Yea, I thought that he had whispered this to some of them already, only they durst not tell me so. Neither durst I ask them of it, for fear. If it should be so, it would make me quite besides myself. Man knows the beginning of sin, said Spira, but who bounds the issues thereof?